Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast deals with discrimination, homophobia, suicide, and crimes against men and children. Please listen at your own discretion. If you are affected by any of the themes featured in this episode, please contact your local support charity. was still that it was illegal to engage in any form of same-sex act here. Buggery was a was life sentence. They were all totally sinful, all totally illegal. I, mean, I had no idea that he was uh, homosexual. Frankly, just went, nah, that, that's, that's the load of rubbish. Not knowing the facts. And he started to leak information. No, I hadn't seen any clear evidence that arrest him for what? because they were security risks. Paedophilia wasn't a word that anybody used. That was a bombshell. Uh, it's a very famous case or infamous case. Uh, very sad for John. Catching Worms, a Hong Kong true crime podcast. This story feels like it could jump right out of the pages of a tabloid newspaper. You'd see it scrolling through your online newsfeed and it would cause outrage on Instagram. It's a story of conspiracies, paedophile rings, government cover-ups, police corruption and killings. A tale of bias, scandal and homophobia that ends the life of a young police officer. But this isn't a story of our time. This story takes place over 40 years ago in a new city, a colony that was still finding its way through historic laws. Well, you have to remember in these days, uh, it was, uh, buggery was a was life sentence uh, in, in Hong Kong. There was still, no, it wasn't, it was life. Um, and gross indecency and all these crimes were pretty serious crimes. Um it wasn't illegal to be a homosexual per se, but the acts um, uh, were highly illegal. So to set the scene, it's the late 1970s in Hong Kong. And as Detective Nora McKillop has just described, 
to commit same-sex acts in this city was illegal. These things still went on behind closed doors, obviously. There was a disco disco, was a homosexual hangout in Lam Kai Fong, which was pretty considered pretty uh, open in these days. Uh, Hong Kong was a very conservative um, society in terms of uh, your attitudes to homosexuality. Um, As I recall in these days. So it's very, very different from what it is now. A conservative city born of traditional values, yet it was a city that was experiencing an influx of expats from across the globe. These foreigners came from places that had experienced the 1960s, free love and revolution in a different way to Hong Kong. Though statistics can't prove it, it seems that a higher percentage of these new arrivals were gay. Why? Maybe they travelled to a new land to find a place they could truly be themselves. Maybe they were drawn to the male-dominated careers and the army, navy or police force that brought them here. Maybe, like many expats, the East allured. Whatever the reason, this new community brought wealth to the colony of Hong Kong. So, if their practices were in some instances technically illegal, it would fly under the radar. As author and retired Lieutenant Colonel Nigel Collett explains. The authorities turned a blind eye if they could. Nobody wanted to uh, investigate people unless there was a state security problem uh, or unless there was a crime involved in some other way. So a large number of people managed to live quite a reasonable life, not totally open, and nobody would go around talking about it or speaking in public about it, Um, but uh, living a life where you could go to places, to bars, to beaches, um, you could have parties, and no one would interfere. Uh, It was a um, live-and-let-live kind of atmosphere. These foreigners were more liberal, and in a town of sunshine and sundowners, had created a sort of scene for themselves. Uh, There were several bars that people went to. There was a series of saunas uh, for those who liked sauna sex. There were uh, regular parties that people, um, the wealthy and and people in in high places in business would hold. Um, People had parties on yachts. And there was um, a a very lively um, social life. Uh, And it was mostly connected with the expat community, but it did draw in um, some of the locals. Um, The expats who were attracted to local boys would bring them in. And so there were quite a lot of expat men who had partners and who lived with them. Uh, Never acknowledged, but nevertheless lived even in government quarters. Legalities aside, I asked another police officer, who you'll hear a lot more from later in this case, ex-detective Chief Superintendent Ian Grant, what the general view of homosexuality was. Was there a lot of judgment against homosexual people at the time in Hong Kong? Or, or was it quite common? And was it, I know it was illegal, but, but was it accepted? I, I think that the general thing was that the, the homosexual fraternity, as long as it was discreet, then nobody really didn't really impact on other people's lives. You know, there were people around, there was a club, Huthart, there was a guy called Huthart at a club, and there was a homosexual community, yes. But it didn't impact most people who were, you know, just going about their lives. So those, even those working for the government, who knew that to partake in homosexual practices was illegal, weren't afraid. But maybe they should have been. People who, in authority, were 
um, averse to any form of homosexuality um, were um, always totally confused uh, about what was um, a paedophile, what was a, a man who liked teenage um, boys, what was a man who liked men of his own sex, uh, of his own age rather. Uh, they um, therefore lumped them all together. They were all totally sinful, all totally illegal, and there was no distinction whatsoever uh, between any of them. And this is where our case begins. A case that will lead us through Hong Kong's prejudice, political elite and police force to end up with a body. A body lying alone on the floor. A body of a young police officer. His death shrouded in suspicion, conspiracy theories and motives. You'll meet this officer in the next episode. It's his story we're investigating. But his story starts before him, before he even sets foot in Hong Kong. The groundwork is laid, with a historic law making homosexual acts illegal in Hong Kong, an emerging expat gay community, and a lot of people in authority who did not understand this scene or this way of life. Talking of a lot of people, I want to take a beat just here for a little bit of a warning. Nigel Collette is the author of A Death in Hong Kong and he lists the characters that feature in this case in his book. This list is 11 pages long. In this podcast, we will not meet all of them, nor do you need to remember who everyone is. In this episode, the main person you need to remember is one man because this one man starts off a chain of events which you need to understand for this whole case to make sense. His name is Duffy. Duffy was the straw that broke the camel's back of this live and let live period. He was a lawyer and a businessman who uh, had been involved in several commercial enterprises in Hong Kong. He was a, a, a very intelligent, lively and public-spirited man who often took on cases um, pro bono of people he thought the police were attempting to put away or to prosecute for no reason. Duffy had been in Hong Kong for 11 years. He knew all too well that the police in this town could not always be trusted. There was a quota system where junior officers needed to make a certain number of arrests per month. So they would target easy cases of boys working on the streets. And Duffy would take on the cases of these young boys. Boys, for instance, that the police were using to bolster their their numbers uh, of arrests who were accused of being triads and were lent on and forced to confess. He would go to court and for for free he would defend them. So he had a Robin Hood side to his nature. But he was also himself at least bisexual and probably, I think, um, more inclined to be homosexual. Um, And he liked young young boys. Um, He liked sort of early teenagers, 13, 14, 15, 16, that sort of age. And he had a yacht that he would take them out on. So in the eyes of the police, he was representing these boys, accusing the police of wrongdoing and then flaunting his success by taking his clients out on a luxury yacht to commit illegal acts. What this Robin Hood was doing was manipulating his position of power by defending these boys in the docks only to allegedly sexually abuse them on the deck of his boat. Boys as young as 13, committing heinous acts of child abuse. But it didn't seem that there was much that the police could do about it. Duffy had friends. Uh, Including the then Chief Justice, um, Geoffrey Briggs, um, quite a large number of important people in Hong Kong business and in several of the sort of lower strata of of the legal department and other parts of the Hong Kong government and the police. 
And Duffy, with his success in business, had a way of keeping these friends happy. These people would be invited to his yacht and he would find boys for them um, if they asked him to. And he would do this for free. He wouldn't do this as a business. So he was a sort of networker in, in the gay community in Hong Kong, um, but concentrating more on the, the lower um, end of the age bracket. The lower end of the age bracket. In today's thinking, screams alarm bells. I asked Nigel if essentially Duffy was running a paedophile ring. Paedophilia wasn't a word that anybody used at all at the time that I can identify. Uh, in all the reading I've done, it didn't crop up once. Uh, people didn't seem to think that there was anything wrong um, with having um, sex with teenage boys. Nothing wrong with having sex with teenage boys. Surely not everyone could think that, even at the time. Detective Superintendent Ian Grant sees it differently. In these days, you'd probably call it grooming. Um somebody under the age of 16, then there'd be a charge of uh, um, unlawful sexual intercourse with a minor, or somebody under 16. Then under 13 would be rape. So whether that was a boy or a girl, yeah, these things happen anyway. Um, but obviously in the Oriental side, the young Asian boys are to a degree quite attractive to uh, European males of uh, homosexual inclination. Essentially, Duffy was accused of grooming and sexually abusing young Chinese boys and supplying them to a ring of paedophilic men in power. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But there's another angle to consider. Even if the police were not making arrests, having people high up in society and the government partaking in Duffy's boat parties made people of influence vulnerable to extortion. And the people that he was supplying to were very important and um, caused the authorities uh, who, when they knew about it, and I think probably from the early days they must have known about it, a good deal of unhappiness because they were security risks. A security risk with evidence to back it up. Duffy kept a diary, 
with records of his high society clients who frequented his events. At one such party, Duffy took a photograph of the Chief Justice with two boys from the Cape Collinson Correctional Institute, which meant they had to be aged between 14 and 17 years old. So photos like these gave Duffy a level of protection, and with this level of security, he felt confident in aggravating the police. The police were caught, really. They couldn't actually do much about Duffy because he had so many powerful friends. But he was, uh, in their view, someone they wished to um, prosecute because of his activities. And they were enraged by the way that he was attacking them in the police courts for their behaviour in arresting young men on the streets. It was the summer of 1978. Duffy had come to the attention of the district commander, Mike Illingworth. And, as it was the summer recess, not all of Duffy's friends were in town to protect him. When Duffy's main protector, which was the Chief Justice Briggs, uh, went on summer leave, he, uh, the police in the, the New Territories took the opportunity to uh, arrest Duffy. And when they did so, uh, they found a certain amount of incriminating evidence, uh, enough to put Duffy away for several years. They raided his yacht, his houses and talked to his staff. They found photographs of Duffy engaged in sexual acts with young boys and charged him with three counts of abuse, buggery and one of gross indecency. But Duffy had a card up his sleeve. Duffy was not going to go quietly. Uh, he was enraged that he'd been let down, as he thought, by uh, the authorities that protected him. He was enraged that it was uh, he who'd been put away and not um, the people he thought were um, the ones who were um, involved in the whole thing with him. And he started to leak information in two large tranches uh, and gave the uh, investigating police a very large amount of information uh, about the people in society that he'd been su supplying young men to. These people included government officials, barristers and even triad groups who were supplying the young boys. Now this put the police in an even more difficult position. They had the evidence, but they didn't know how to deal with it. So Duffy's case was sent up the chain of command to government level. That was a bombshell. Um, the, uh, the government was totally taken aback and it became a real problem because London was made aware and it became a matter of state security, uh, a matter of public morals and of British prestige in Hong Kong. And at the time, the British were um, in negotiation uh, early stages with the Chinese um, for the handover. Um, and only seven years on, Margaret Thatcher would come over and would have to sign the agreement with the Chinese. The British did not want anything um, in the Chinese hands which would be use, used against them. Um, they didn't wish to be seen to be exploiting young Chinese men. So the whole thing had to be closed down, and London had to be shown that it was closed down. So they created a small unit called the Special Investigation Unit, SIU, which was tasked theoretically to follow up the case, but actually to close it down. And so Duffy, uh, by his arrest, had um, created a, a gay scare in Hong Kong, which um, changed the entire atmosphere. And this is where Norrie McKillop comes in. You might remember him from series one, the Braemar Hill case. He was the lead detective in homicide, working murder investigations at the time. But that was about to change. 
anyway, I was seconded, I think it was from Homicide Bureau. For some reason, I was seconded to this uh, special investigation unit, uh, which had been set up. I never, ever saw the the orders setting this unit up or why it was set up or what was its particular focus, other than the focus was on homosexuals. A specialist unit set up to investigate homosexuals because of the evidence Duffy had provided. Although, according to Nora McKillop, this evidence seemed to have disappeared. There, there was some stories about uh, this John Richard Duffy, who was a solicitor who had apparently, to try and save his own skin, uh, he, had, he had mentioned lots of other people uh, who were homosexuals, etc. And this was the rationale for setting up this particular unit because there was a paranoia uh, about the government being riddled by riddled with uh, homosexual uh, homosexual groups who were who were becoming too powerful in government. Which I never saw any evidence of that. And maybe the reason Norrie didn't see Duffy's evidence was that this unit wasn't there to investigate much at all. Hong Kong was not short of policemen at the time, but this was a very small unit. Yeah, no, it wasn't a rotor. There was only three of us. There was a superintendent, and I was one of the one of two chief inspectors and a handful of uh, uh, rank and file. There wasn't a big unit. It was a tiny unit. And so the the key team in the SAU that were dealing with the case. Um, do you know? Can you talk me through the, the officers that were working on mm. it? Superintendent Brooks um, was a long CID hand and was a, um, a quiet, reserved sort of man who stayed in the background, um, was virulently anti-gay. Uh, he had a, a, a notable um, uh, prejudice against gay men. He was not unhappy to be in the SIU and to be um, basically uh, prosecute gay people in the government service. His 2IC was a much more valiant, loud character called um, Chief Inspector Quinn, who was a Liverpool Irishman who had a, a very bad reputation in Hong Kong for being an alcoholic, for being corrupt, um, for being um, not averse to using physical violence when he had to. And he himself, too, um, had a reputation in certain quarters for being anti-gay. And uh, he went around when he was appointed to the SIU, boasting to some lawyer friends of his uh, that now he was able to, to finish off what he'd been trying to do some 30 years before, in, in the 60s, when he had a similar job. And, uh, but he was not going to touch them because they were his mates, so they were OK. So Quinn was somebody who um, was a bit of a, um, a loose cannon and uh, not somebody who was too scrupulous about his methods. Um, the junior officers in the in the unit didn't want to be in the unit. They had no desire to um, be involved in any gay witch hunt. It was not regarded as a nice place to be by any policeman uh, who was posted in um, because you were prosecuting people you knew. You were you were um, uh, involved in uh, work with informers against your own colleagues, um, and it was a pretty nasty job. And that went for both the Chinese and the British, I think. So the, there was no desire to be in there. And um, they um, were in a real tight spot because they had been told to um, sort out some things which uh, they weren't allowed to touch the high price, therefore they were, they were trying to find people they could prosecute who were in the middle ranks. When Norrie questioned why they were investigating homosexuals, 
This was the answer he was given. Homosexuals, as, as, as it was told to me by, um, by Mike Quinn, uh, the, chief, the other chief inspector, and, and Bob Brooks, the superintendent, that there was uh, the Hong Kong was government was riddled with homosexuals and it was a danger to the government. Was Hong Kong really in danger? Or were there people in the government who were the real danger? Next time on Catching Worms. The entire event was very fishy. Just my gut instinct says, don't do that, please. Before he would bring embarrassment on the police force. But that was a sufficient motive for someone to want to kill him. Because he knew he's got a... A, 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 a destiny moment at 10 o'clock. His entire life was about to collapse. I hadn't seen any clear evidence that arrest him for what? Of course, he was a friend of mine. I, mean, I had no idea that he was a homosexual. And therefore, they were after him after that. Um, you know, so it was just, just John. This has been a Create podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. With special thanks to Nigel Collett, author of A Death in Hong Kong, Detective Nori McKillop, and Detective Superintendent Ian Grant. And thank you for listening. Catching worms. Zhuk chong. This term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying zhuk chong yap si fat. That involves putting said worms up your rear end, which to anyone's imagination definitely spells trouble indeed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.